Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a Pilates teacher specializing in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. The aim of this podcast is to inspire and educate through chats with women who are either working through their own movement journey or work to help women get stronger and recover both physically and mentally after having kids. I want to talk about what they do, how they integrate it into their family lives and essentially why. Because I believe when we share our stories and our values, we lift each other up, enabling every mother to fulfill her body's potential, gain confidence in her power and give our families the best version of us to share their lives with. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. One last thing from me before we dive into this week's chat. I wanted to mention that as a postnatal corrective exercise specialist, I work with women in person in my studio and remotely online, helping them to build the right foundations to be able to move safely and to effectively move on to whatever movement or exercise practice they want. My mission is to get women like you moving, keep you moving and enjoying every step. If you'd like to find out more, get in touch on Instagram or on my website, which is lovemovementsussex.com. I look forward to supporting you in taking the first step to everyday strength. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. And this week, I am uh, have the pleasure of spending a little time talking to Sophia Cooper, who is the founder of One Fit Mama, which is a uh, women's fitness class network around the country, which is multi-award winning. Sophia has also won Birmingham Businesswoman of the Year, amongst many other um awards for her amazing work in developing this program and the reasons behind it so we can talk about that a little bit more. Sophia and I uh, connected through um, the new Motherdom magazine which I've written an article for which is coming out in in the June issue and Sophia is part of the editorial board. Um, So we've connected through there which is a brilliant magazine all about uh, maternal health for parents of young of little ones so sort of um under let's say five or eight or something so all talking about the mothering and mental health side of things rather than necessarily things to do with the baby which is um a really important distinction i think so sophia thank you so much for spending time with us me chatting today um welcome to the podcast Hello, thanks for having me. No problem. Um, Okay, so why don't you first of all introduce where you are, what you do, how you work, maybe a bit of family life as well. Okay, so obviously I'm Sophia. Uh, we already killed with that. Uh, right now, I'm actually sat in One Fit Mama HQ, which is a really pink place to be. Um, we decided to decorate everything pink, and after a while, it gets a bit much. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm sat here. I'm supposed to be supposed to be doing lots of hard admin work, um, but this is much more fun, actually. Um, so, I have three children uh, who are 10, 
8 and 4 on Thursday. Uh-huh. Um, so I do have a very busy life aside from Mom Fit Mama. Um, they, they are a handful. Uh, my two older children both have special educational needs. One has severe ADHD and the other has dyspraxia. Um, so, yeah, mum life is, is, is pretty hectic. Um, and work tends to be um, a bit of an escape, actually. It's, uh, it's a lot easier than, than looking after three kids, I can tell you that. Oh, I'm sure um, a lot of women just spent, yeah, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, you're obviously based in Birmingham at the moment, but tell us a little bit more about what Mumfit Mama is and, and where it is. Okay, so One Fit Mama is nationwide. We're actually based uh, in Redditch now in Worcestershire. We moved from Birmingham. Ah. I know that I haven't lost my Brummie twang. I only moved in September. I will always be a Brummie at heart. Um, And it's really funny because my children have got really broad Brummie accents. And now we've moved to this posh part of Worcestershire. And my children, you can hear them coming miles away with their, (laughs) their... their yowls and their yams it's quite funny um so yeah one fit mama is nationwide we have classes uh, as south as sort of plymouth devon and cornwall and we go all the way through the country up to county durham um so we're we're almost everywhere almost right. or, almost <laughs> not quite but nearly there yeah um okay so what was where's mum fit one fit mama come from what was the sort of the, the the sort of idea right from the start was it from um uh, were you working in fitness before was it uh, before you had kids was it something that you just developed as you went along or how did it come about okay so one fit mama was uh, was was not even a you know a, an inkling in my mind before I had children um I've worked in finance I was a bank manager for a really big bank um and I'd kind of left university having studied economics and just this career in finance was all I all I ever wanted um, and I was really good at it you know I was good at my job I was this kind of power woman I had a really nice car I had an office and people respected me and I was a bit cutthroat you know and I, and I look back now at maybe the person that I was then and I don't really like her I think mm. she was a bit of an idiot mm. um but I think that when you're in your early 20s um it's easy to not really know about life and especially when you're given a really good job um and there were lots of people who were more mature than me that were working under me and I kind of you know I think I would definitely could have been schooled maybe about actually how hard it is to be a mom you know I remember one of the memories that I just hate when I look back at my time uh, with the bank was there's this lady who had two boys who were probably the same age as my boys are now yeah. um, and one of them was really poorly and she'd called in to say that she wasn't going to be able to come in because he was sick and I was like I don't care we have got this to do and this to do and targets to hit and I need you to come in. Mm. And I remember her saying, but I don't know what to do. I, I don't have anybody else to have. And I was like, well, just find a grandparent, a friend, whatever, just get to work. Mm. And now I look back at that and I, I can hear so clearly that that kind of conversation. I just, it, it, I hate the person that yeah. I was then, but I didn't know any better. I didn't no. have any sort of life experience. And I think that it's really important to own your mistakes. And I, I'm very kind of open about that and said you know what I was probably a bit of an idiot so you know I'm not now or at least I hope I'm not um so yeah I it was a very different I was very different kind of lifestyle that I was leading and I've been with my husband since I was 18 so you know we were team sweethearts um and we decided to get married and have a baby you know very normal sort of we've got good jobs we have a nice house let's get married let's have a baby very kind of you know run of the mill had a great pregnancy um, you know, everything just if you could have wrote it in a book, 
it, that's exactly how we did things. Mm. Um, and then Finn was born and it just, from the minute he entered the world, it went tits up, basically. Mm. Mm. He was born with a group B strep infection which had been completely undetected. So he was incredibly poorly when he was born. Um, and I was very young, you know, I was just about to turn 24. And mm. just, it hadn't entered my mind that he could be poorly. No. I thought that everything, because everything had gone so swimmingly, I just expected him to be born and it'd be beautiful. I would hold him, we'd get this rush of love. And it just didn't work out. He ended up spending 10 days on um, the NICU. Um, and I was just suddenly catapulted into this completely different world of being lonely and frightened and not really knowing what was going on. And, you know, the, the nurses were brilliant at taking care of him, but nobody spoke to me. Nobody told me what was happening. Nobody explained what the next steps would be. And then all of a sudden I'm sent home with this baby that's been really poorly. Gosh. He was so thin. He was just, I remember, you know, we look at pictures and he had like these little legs, like this little sparrow. Yeah. He was just so thin and so pale. You know, he was almost grey. Um, and I just, it just was completely overwhelming. And, and my had mental health. No resources to be able to no, fall nothing. back on for... Absolutely no, nothing. And nobody, nobody checked up on us. You know, we were sent home and that was it. You know, there was no support group. There was no, you know, anything at all to help me manage you know, how to follow the next few months with him. So I became a little bit obsessed with keeping the house clean and keeping him clean in this kind of bid to keep him healthy. I don't know, is that because um, he had an infection and so you, he had infection, you yeah. so were I, concerned I about him I became a germaphobe getting... overnight, yeah, yeah basically. Um, and again, you know, nobody kind of noticed those signs. So very early on I was excessively sterilizing bottles I would change him several times a day even if his nappy was dry I would still change him um, I wouldn't let other people hold him it's very funny about family holding him I used to ask them to wash their hands mm. um, and very quickly for me that spiraled to you know at the, my, my lowest point I was washing my hands with bleach um, I would watch him sleep because oh. I didn't trust that he would sleep through the night um, in that he would die in his sleep and it was so and it became just it happened so suddenly I don't I can't pinpoint the time that it went from being me being a little bit excessive with cleaning to it consuming me and not mm. being able to leave him mm. um, and because I think the nature of the postnatal depression as as I now know that it was mm. I think that nobody spotted it because Back, and then we're talking 10 years ago. So I think the stigma then was that women with postnatal depression would harm their babies, that they didn't love their babies, that they couldn't bond with them. But I was in this complete opposite end of the scale where I was obsessed about keeping him well and I almost took care of him too much, you know. And, yeah. and so my family and friends just thought, great, isn't she amazing? Look how clean the house is. The baby always looks immaculate. <sighs> you know, she's totally on top of everything. Yeah. And I was just completely drowning in this fear mm. of him becoming sick again. Mm. Um, and when he was, it was four days before his first birthday, I had stayed up all night because I was really sure there was, there was a car that was parked outside the opposite side of the road up from my house. And I was sure that it was social services. Um, and it, obviously it wasn't. I know now that it wasn't, but mm, I sat on the stairs mm. watching this car all night, adamant that any minute now they were going to come in and take him away. Oh. And in the morning when he got up, my husband went to work, and I just remember having this overwhelming feeling of, I can't look after him because I'm not good enough. Mm. 
he deserves better, he deserves better. And on that day, I decided to attempt to take my own life. Mm. So it had gone, so, you know, he was, this whole year of nobody noticing how bad things had mm. got for me. Um, I don't know if you want to call it divine intervention, but uh, just um, around about that time, my little boy cried and I decided that I probably made a really stupid mistake. And I walked to my GP when I got to my GPX, told her what I had planned to do. And she was incredible. From just from that second, she, you know, instantly I was taken care of. I was taken to hospital. Um, you know, she arranged for counselling, medication. It was just fantastic. And I was so cross with myself for not doing that sooner, for not just walking to the doctor and saying, I'm in this state. But I, I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. how, how bad it was going to get. You know, um, and I think that whole year just really changed me. I mm. became a completely different person. I saw things differently. And I think because I'd not up until that point, everything with my husband and I had been so great. I, I think I've almost felt immune mm. to bad things happening. Mm. You know, when I, I grew up with a mum who has bipolar, so I was very aware of mental health conditions. Um, but again, what I thought I knew and the reality were two very different things for me. Yeah. Um, so while I was on, um, while I was having these counselling sessions, I had this counsellor and I, he must have been like 14 years old. <laughs> like I swear, he's so young. Um, and he was a boy, you know, and I felt like you have no idea what I'm dealing with. Yeah. It's very dismissive of him. Um, but we used to set targets each week and he set me a target to attend an exercise session. Right. And I was like, ugh. It's just not, it's going to be pointless. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And I went home and said to my husband, I've got to go to an exercise group this week. And my husband's like, just give it a go because, you know, you still, it's better to try things and say, yes, it didn't work than not try it and not know. So mm. rolled my eyes so far back into my head, I could <laughs> see the coming of Christ. And I went to a fitness class, um, an indoor circuit session. Um, and I loved it. And I felt incredible afterwards. Um, and it took me by surprise, actually, the difference that it made mm. to how I felt about myself, you know. Um, but there was a bit of a catch because it meant leaving Finn at bedtime. Mm. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. And I really wanted to be in the class because I knew it was helping. But I also just this fear of him being not with me at bedtime was, was consuming. Um, so after a few weeks of kind of beating myself up, I was was like really early in the morning, like four o'clock. And I said to my husband, I just wish that I could do something where I didn't have to leave him. And my, t you know, like, you know how men do this thing where they just will say anything to shut you up. <laughs> so he's exhausted. It's four o'clock. He's got to go to work. And he just said, so why don't you, instead of whining about it, why don't you just do it? Why don't you start a group and just do it? And he rolled over and went back to sleep. And that was it. It was like the seed. Of there you go. I've done this solution for you. Do that. Go. There you go. Just do that. <laughs> and I couldn't stop thinking about actually that would be great. So I went to another like mother and baby fitness group. And my intention was to buy a franchise. It was an outdoor session. Um, and I didn't like it because it was outside. <laughs> 
I'm just not outdoors. Because you don't like the outdoors or you were just like, yeah. it's just too much. It's not working yeah, for me. Probably was fine. But, you know, I, I like I don't like it when it's windy, but I, I like a light breeze. I like it when it's, you know, <laughs> about specific. 18 and a half degrees. <laughs> right. You know, I don't like any moisture in the air. I'm just I'm very fair weather. So it was never going to work. Um, and so I came back and kind of had to rethink. And I, and I looked for indoor sessions and there just wasn't any and I thought maybe my big look head husband is onto something maybe this this is what people need so I started a group and only six people came and they were all my friends mm. <laughs> like, that's, how, my, that's how things start yeah just my six friends in a church hall with um, equipment that I'd begged borrowed and stole um, you know I had mismatched dumbbells and I didn't really know what I was doing and um, we just sort of muddled through it the babies played on their the mats yeah um, and I felt amazing afterwards and the mums that came were like this is great we should do this every week and that was it it was just born there was no big business plan there was yeah. no real long-term sort of thought to where it would go I needed it Mm. So I created it. Mm. That that's that's you know all there really is to it. And I think as the years went on, we noticed that it wasn't just what I needed. There were so many women that needed it. Um, and obviously things are really different now because I've learned. You know, I spent ten years perfecting my trade, I suppose you would say, and I've attended lots of courses. And I think probably the exercises I did in the beginning were not uh, postnatal safe. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know any better. Um, so now we really focus on, you know, recovery after having a baby and it's not about weight loss. You know, that's something I'm really passionate about. You know, we don't be forcing women to get back into skinny jeans. This Mm. is about just feeling better and being in a safe space. Um, Birmingham university released a study, uh, last year that, that said that women who had postnatal depression, um, Actually, if you exercised after having a baby, you were up to 92% less likely to get postnatal depression. And it's mm. like, this mm. is huge. Yeah. This is huge. But we're not, you know, we're not doing it. We're not doing it enough. And doctors aren't prescribing it. Um, so, yeah, it's took off. And it's amazing to see how many women really do feel the same way that I did. You know, we get emails saying things like this was a lifeline for me and, um, you know, this was this got me through some really dark times. And so that kind of, you know, I can never, I, I think I'll never let go of the guilt of that first year of, of kind of the state I'd let myself get into, I think. But knowing that I'm making a difference now kind of, it doesn't make it better, but it kind of gives me a, a, a sort of a weight off my shoulders of thinking actually all that awful stuff that happened in the beginning um it was worth it was worth it for this you yeah know, to, to be changing other people's lives and uh, and I think one thing one super important thing that you were talking about towards the beginning of what you were just saying was about recognizing the signs of postnatal depression mm-hmm. and it's so poorly recognized even amongst um health professionals oh absolutely that you know you can be looking like you've got everything together got all your stuff Mm -hmm. together and you're not that kind of like wild hair crazy eyes haven't washed Mm -hmm. for three weeks um yeah baby's not being looked after that that, that's what you in your head you think oh well i don't have depression because i because I'm yeah. I'm fine. I can still smile. I can still make it look. But it's yeah. It's um you know that that feeling of the sort of the joy has been sucked out of the experiences that you're having with your children, with yourself, with life, um and those um 
that ability to recognize postnatal depression I think is really hard yeah personally and unless you're being flagged unless like you said nobody was coming to check on you so unless you're having a a conversation in which you mention something that then your health visitor or your GP or whoever it is a personal trainer or or fitness professional who might be trained in it as well trained and recognized in the signs of it might go Hmm, that's interesting and then delve into it a little bit deeper and help you to understand you know what's going on in your head that that is a really unless unless that happens I think it's very hard to recognize it unless you are like you know tearing your hair out and being feeling completely uh terrified and then and you do manage to get yourself to GP that's very different but like you said other people in your life didn't recognize that there might have been anything going on um and I think that's that's a challenge isn't it yeah I mean and I I always say you know the instructors that work for me um out of uh 42 of them 40 of us have had postnatal depression um and every one of us has had a completely different experience um Mm. and I always say that postnatal depression it's a it's a shape shifter you know It, Mm. it changes from person to person and and I think that what we should be doing instead of looking for specific signs is actually having open conversations with women and not saying oh how you know are you okay because the answer is always yes yeah fine fine fine, I'm fine fine, yeah fine fine. (laughs) Uh, but being really honest and open and I also think there's a lot to be said for admitting that that being a mum's hard Mm. um I think that so many mums feel like they can't admit that they're struggling they feel like oh you know that's that can't go on the gram you know, yeah. and I yeah, think yeah. that it's important that, that you know, we say sometimes being a parent's really hard. Sometimes my children are knobs and that's OK. I still love them. I'm I'm still yeah. a good mom. Yeah. But actually, sometimes I find it difficult. Um, and I think that we're so conditioned to, you know, oh, you're so blessed. And, oh, you know, it's the first year. You never get this year back. Mm. And actually, it's rammed down your throat how much you should be loving this wonderful moment. Yeah, actually, sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. And I think that we need to as, you know, everybody needs to make a more conscious effort to have honest conversations about motherhood, mm. because that's when we know when people need help. And I think for me, I the only experience I had about postnatal depression was actually watching Stacey Slater on EastEnders. That's all I knew. Mm. That was it. Yeah. And and I think you don't realise actually how much that sort of media you know portrayal of something affects you and you think oh no you know people are clever enough they'll do research but I didn't I didn't know any better and I saw her I remember very clearly she was sat on the stairs and she was thinking about smothering her baby and I was like that's not me Mm. it's not me I haven't Mm. got that Mm. um and it's just too easy isn't it to to shrug it off especially when you don't want it to be you I think Oh, absolutely. And particularly, like you said, you you had this life before you got pregnant that was very together. You had the car and you had your sort of your sweetheart husband Mm -hmm. and um, your great solid job and and everything was ticking along perfectly. And then when things start to unravel, you have that like, this is not me. I am not the person that falls apart. I am, you know, perfect life. I am whatever it is. And I think... I think a, a, a lot of the time when I when I speak to women and they are having difficulties, a lot of the time it's the difficulty in adjusting from one side of their life, one phase of their life to another, like the yeah. the gap 
between one and the next and, and that like you say that I mean I remember having a friend of mine who is a doctor she had really full life really intelligent did lots of different things and she had her first baby and she was like oh my god nobody tells you how boring it is it's <laughs> uh, it's boring. really it's really boring and I was just I was meeting up with her to tell her to say so oh, I'm pregnant with my first and uh, just before she and she had been going I'm, I'm literally I'm so bored I cannot sing another nursery rhyme and I was like I'm pregnant <laughs> and she went yay um <laughs> great and I was, she was like it's fine it's fine and I was like really though because it doesn't sound you like don't you it. didn't make it sound so great then <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's you know we can't gloss over it all all no. the time and I remember my daughter getting to one and people going oh, where has the time gone I mean I can't, I bet you could just, it's even yesterday that she was born and I was like no I can remember every day of the last <laughs> year, you know, I remember with absolute clarity the six weeks of her having colic and being up for, you know, most of the time through the night, through the day, screaming baby, walking and walking and walking and walking her and all her milk coming up and the screaming every time I tried to feed her and the pain and the anguish and everything. And, you know, I, let's not try and make it all out like the first year is this gorgeous bubble of wonderfulness yeah. because because I think not. if you if you manage the expectations better if you yeah. didn't tell women how great it was going to be and they wouldn't expect it to be great then they yeah. wouldn't feel so awful but it, I mean it, it's exactly the same for, for childbirth you know we yeah. we go to classes and we're told your body's designed to do this it's mm. going to be a breeze mm. if you just relax and let your body do the job and it's like well no you're pushing a person out of your vagina that's not going to be easy <laughs> you can breathe till you're blue in the face it's not going to be a walk in the park and I think that it, it, it really is about being honest and you, it's not about telling someone the doom and gloom you know you don't want to be saying oh it's really awful and it's terrible but just saying you know what sometimes won't be as good as other days and yeah. that's normal and yeah. you're normal and that's fine you yeah. know and I think it's we're definitely I think moving towards that I definitely feel that there are mm. some bloggers who are, are trying to do that mm. um and I certainly know that one fit mama instructors we have a policy about being super honest and I was uh, in a class a few weeks ago and you know, was hearing one of my instructors talk about how she was considering just putting her baby on eBay. <laughs> not just say that. Um, and all the mums in her session just really laughed and they were like, oh, even you, it's like, yes, even my baby is going to go on eBay. Yes. <laughs> and it was just really refreshing, I think, to to hear for, for mums to hear that to hear that actually yeah we all feel the same and it doesn't make you a bad person mm. um makes you a normal person mm, exactly and I think uh, also um from people in the fitness industry being able to talk about physical issues that they might have mm. that uh, have Absolutely, become a yeah. challenge to them or that they're not uh you know had pushed the baby out and then walked out with a six pack or uh you know aren't back in their their sort of oh, this obsession about the bloody jeans and yeah you know, whatever yeah, else you know that, or, or and even, yeah exactly or even years later you know me years later I'm a completely different shape to before mm. I respond differently to exercise than I did before I had kids or in between my two kids or anything and I and I used to 
when I started teaching again after having my second, I remember almost having to apologise, trying to really like hold myself in, make myself look smaller, like making sure that I was wearing exactly the right clothes that were as flattering as they possibly could be so that nobody could judge me. And then I was thinking, God, it's just me judging myself, actually. And yeah. I need to come to terms with that. And so that I can be completely honest and authentic, because otherwise I am standing in front of you telling you that I'm not good enough. And that's not OK. That's not the right yeah. language to be putting across. It's it's um it's a really funny one, because I think that uh, over the last two years, I, we've been, you know, personally, I've been in the media quite a lot um, for, you know, various articles on me or articles on the business and um it's really surprising every time and I, I think I'm hardened to it a little bit now but the first few times it happened it used to really upset me I used to get people used to say one fat mama instead of one oh, fit wow. mama and they were really you know it happens a lot you know and, and I used to say to my husband am I, am I, do I look fat and he'd be like what even is that what even is fat like what what's fat because I think you look great and that's just ridiculous but I think that it it's still even now it's a bit like oh that's hurtful yeah you know and I think that there's this it's in like I'm very open about my recovery after having babies um and after Finn although my mental health was just well it was just down the pan um my body I mean I I was the snapback I was that mum I pinged so quickly yeah. back into my skinny jeans yeah. and not intentionally actually just kind of happened because I was young and tight yeah and that happens when you're young and tight yeah um and after Maxwell was less of a ping as a sort of gradual <laughs> sort of slither back to shape and after Florence I had a prolapse in my bottom and used to poo myself when I went for a run so it just you know it went very south very quickly yeah. and I think that I'm quite honest about recovery and that I'm not the size that I was when I was 23 um but neither's my husband yeah. he's not in the exact same shape that he was at 23 no one asks him no to go back to how he was before <laughs> we had children that's completely fine that he's bigger you know, you know, when that tells him he should not eat carbs. Um, and I think that I've accepted that my hips are bigger. My rib cage, obviously, it flares during pregnancy. And mine just hasn't really ever gone back to the same size that it was before. So I'm a, a back size bigger on a bra. Um, you know, and, and that's fine because that's my actual bones. You know, and I think that there's so much pressure to lose weight. And I, I wrote a blog uh, recently about losing I hate that word losing weight you can cut a leg off and lose a stone mm. but you'll have lost weight but would you be <laughs> functional could you could, you know it's just ridiculous yeah if you and I, and I understand that women want to feel good and that I totally support and whatever size makes you feel good I am I'm there I will help you we can get there but it should never be at the detriment to the rest of your body and certainly not to the detriment of your internal bodily functions you know yeah okay so you're in your skinny jeans and you're size six but every time you talk you wet yourself that's that's not a fair trade and I think that we need to be really careful about kind of encouraging women to get back to how they were before mm -hmm. and and I, you know I'm not really one for embracing 
you know, oh, embrace your curves, embrace your, like, if you don't like it, you don't like it. And that's fine. I know that when I was a size 16, I didn't feel comfortable. I, it, you know, it wasn't that there's an issue with a size 16, because I know size 16 women who look incredible. But for me, I didn't feel good mm. at that size. Mm. But, you know, and that's me. So I totally understand that there will be other mums that they want to, you know, maybe lose a few pounds or be tighter. Um, you know, and I, I think it's important that women are allowed to feel like that that they're allowed to embrace you know the kind of the fact that they want to change their bodies um but it's about supporting them to do it in the right way and yeah not kind of forcing them to do burpees and five sessions of hit workouts when they've you know got three week old babies at home oh, no exactly and I think you know there's a couple of things there and the first thing I was thinking was if somebody has had to, you know, has has tried to lose weight hard, gone at it hard, what have they sacrificed at the same mm -hmm. time? Mm -hmm. Because quite often when they're going at, at something hard, they've had to sacrifice joy or yeah. connection with their families or, um, uh, you know, a true understanding of what's going on in their own bodies or the, mm -hmm. like you say, the, the sort of, actual internal functioning of their bodies so um you know if they if they've got back into running super quickly possibly they've had a, their pelvic floors have had a reaction to that and yeah. um and then also there's the uh there's the thing of this you're also sacrificing time and um and things like that and it, it just seems that's not the point of of having a baby having a family um, that's not the the point of the movement as well. The movement is not there to punish you for being a bigger size. The movement is there yeah. to help you feel how brilliant our bodies are at whatever yeah. it is that you want to do, whether that is yeah. lift a kettlebell or whether it's, um, you know, rolling around with your kids having a rough and tumble time or something like that you know our bodies it, it's, it's being able to celebrate our bodies and not feel rubbish about them yeah and, and I think that Instagram and other social media platforms play a huge part in that in that kind of perfect life and you know you can every week look at a magazine and see a, a celebrity that's had a baby who is a size four and mm. in a bikini two days later and yeah. and I think it's really hard to 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 really understand and appreciate that it's not real like you know a lot of it isn't real and I think that um a prime example of that is is the exquisite Meghan Markle everybody has mm. had something to say about the fact that she still looks pregnant well of course she does <gasps> what I mean seriously she only had the baby a few days ago how dare she still just, have a stomach just, how dare your uterus not shrank back to its <sighs> original size immediately yeah. I mean, it, it's just like your your uterus is not Stretch Armstrong. It does not just ping back the no. way that it was. It takes time. Um, and it's just frustrating because she is exactly what she should look like. You know, she looked tired. Mm. <laughs> she just, she, you know, and, and I think that they, people don't want to see it. They don't want to see what it really looks like after you've had a baby. And I think that we're too busy following these incredibly fit um you know influencers on social media and and it's not real a lot of it is edited and colored in and you know cropped and god knows what else to to look good and 
you know, I think that women see these images and think, I, if she can do that, I can do that. Because that's the message, isn't it? If I can, you know, if I can lose four pounds in two days by drinking coffee, you can do it too. Yeah. And actually, I think that you can't. And that, and I think that women need to, you know, have more realistic, um, you know, images of, of post-birth and, and not necessarily, you know, go, oh, look, that's lovely. She looks incredible. But going, oh, OK, so that's normal. This is what normal looks like and and actually kind of working towards that instead of trying to achieve something that's that's nigh on impossible mm. hi movement fans sorry to interrupt your listening today i hope you're enjoying the episode if you are i'd love it if you would leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you are listening on right now If you're on your mobile and on the Apple Podcasts app, click on the icon with this podcast image. Scroll right to the bottom where you see the ratings and reviews section. Tap the number of stars you want to give. My suggestion would be five. And then click the write a review link at the bottom. It literally takes one minute and makes a huge difference in how iTunes shows this podcast to others who are searching amongst all the thousands of other brilliant shows there are out there. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast and taking the time to review. It really does mean the world to me. Okay, let's get on with the chat. And how um, how do you manage that for your own self, your own sort of personal mental well-being, mental health? Do you, do you um, since you started getting well, since you started getting counselling after you had Finn, um, did you then have to kind of, I mean, maybe Instagram, I mean, I know my, it wasn't around when my, I had my daughter who's eight, so probably wasn't around, obviously wasn't yeah, around when you no. had Finn, but... Um, those sorts of, sort of media influence and things after you had um, your other two kids, um, how did you sort of change what you were looking at and, and did you did that start to get to you, that sort of comparison um, issues? Um, I think that I, with Maxwell, because Maxwell's eight, so it wasn't really a big deal after him, you know, and I kind of just, I definitely felt, not so much the media, but I definitely felt... Um, like other people were had something to say about it very other people very much like oh he's still carrying a bit of baby weight you know and uh, but not so much the media and I it didn't really affect me but after Florence um I think because I was a bit more you know in the media myself I definitely felt it then and I had to be very you know I tried very hard not to read comments um and I was very careful about the people that I followed um it's very easy to to let it consume you um I remember Florence was quite small and um I downloaded a app on my phone that could track calories um one of those yeah yeah, my one of those ones and my fitness pal type of thing yeah my fitness pal I remember thinking this will help me kind of you know be more um you know, savvy about what I'm eating and blah, blah, blah. And within weeks, I was completely obsessed with Mm. what calories in. And I remember um, I got a chest infection Mm -hmm. and was given antibiotics. And I remember looking on 
the box to see if there were calories in the antibiotics. Oh wow! And at that at that point, I went no 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 no. This is no. And I deleted the app and I said to my husband, you know what? I I feel like I maybe took this too far. And he was like. Well, I was wondering, mm-hmm. he said, I'd started to kind of notice that you were checking everything and you'd stopped enjoying food and stopped enjoying just, you know, eating out and stuff. Um, and I felt like I was in a, you know, very lucky that I'd kind of realised how stupid it had gotten and kind of stopped it. Um, but I think there might be other mums who maybe aren't as aware of their own mental health and, and downfalls, actually, who probably might not have noticed and had got quite caught up in it um but yeah it's it is hard and even now you know I'm I I worry about what Florence sees too you know I think it's just it's really hard and I don't think I felt like that with the boys yeah um but which is really sad which is insane because I'm sure I was reading the other day that um uh anorexia in in adolescent boys has increased 40 percent in yeah. the last five years so yeah. like I probably should have been just as concerned about the boys but certainly Florence I you know I think we spend so long weighing them and then congratulating them for putting weight on and then suddenly where does that end where do we stop congratulating them for putting weight on mm. um and you know and I think that it is very easy to get swept up in it and I'm quite happy with my body shape obviously I'd like to be tighter I would like a firmer bottom I'd quite like to get rid of the stretch marks but overall, I think I'm very happy with how my body is now. I work out three times a week. Um, I'm currently training for a triathlon. Wow. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I'd like now I work out to do because I enjoy it. So I go to ballet once a week, um, which is like a killer workout for yeah. the legs. Um, and I do spin. I love spin. Um I like the atmosphere of spin cycling. I like being shouted at, <laughs> whooping and yelling and yeah. flashy lights. Um, and then I do weights uh, once a week with my husband because um, he's a PT as well. So, you know, it's really good to kind of mix it up and, and you know, do the things that I actually love to do. And I'm not doing it because I want to be thinner or fitter or anything. I'm doing it because they're just the classes that I like to do, you know, and I think it's a really nice place to be in where you're not doing it to achieve something but you're just doing it for the love yeah and like that's one of the things I really say to my mums do it because you're having a good time you don't have a good time don't do it yeah life is too short for that absolutely yeah I and, and and on that I had a little um miniature conversation with somebody as we were leaving school drop-offs the other day and we were talking to somebody else and we were talking about a running thing that we've just done and this other woman said oh yeah I I mean I feel like I should get into running but I don't really like it and and the other two of us are turning around and like why on earth would you try and don't do it then (laughs) don't do something that you don't want to do and 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 I think we've all had that like no I should do that because you know like I should do cardio because you know, it's good, isn't it? Or or I should yeah. do such and such because it's good. Whereas, you know, what we should do is enjoy moving our bodies. And yeah. In whatever way it is, like you said, dancing, obviously ballet, amazing for your legs. But it could also be going out clubbing. Uh, okay, yeah. probably not with like loads of drinks and having a pizza yeah. on the way home <laughs> and kebabs and whatever. But, you know... But there's so many new ways now. So many there ways is, to do it. There's um, a, a, a not far from where I live. There's um, 
an adult's trampolining club. Oh. And I've got loads of friends that go trampolining. And it's like they do somersaults and stuff. Yeah. And, like, that's an incredible exercise. Yeah. Obviously, we wouldn't recommend it for anybody really post-birth. But, but yes. you know, <laughs> you know, some of these mums who've got eight and nine-year-olds and they go and, they're, they're you know, I see their videos on Facebook of them doing, you know, somersaults and oh. seat landings and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God. And you it feel like a right kid again, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're doing it because they love doing it. They're not doing it because, oh, it's, you know, I'm going to lose loads of weight. They're just doing it because it's really fun. Um and there's so many more things like that now. I was seeing not, you know, um, a friend of mine does pole dance classes. Mm. Oh, my God, um, that's so hard. Well, she's always covered in bruises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that, like, yeah, I think it's definitely the way to go is to do something that you love. And if and if you lose weight um, or you get tighter, um as a byproduct of that, and that's just like a bonus, isn't it? It's just a bonus. Mm, yeah, exactly. And um, going back to that bit that you just mentioned about the language that you're using or the ways that you're behaving around Florence now and in comparison to the boys, um, uh, do you? is that something that you've become more aware of because you had this sort of little moment of being calorie obsessed for a bit and that that kind of really highlighted it for you or do you feel like with girls you need to be talking more sort of positively about your body I mean just before we we started recording we were talking about this uh, body positivity and uh, word so, uh. so uh, yeah maybe we can talk <laughs> a little bit about that but it's something that comes up quite a lot like then also when we talk about being body positive, body neutral, whatever it is you want to say, and it, and we talk also about the language that we use in front of our kids, that's another factor in it that's so critically important because yeah. what we say about ourselves translates immediately to what the kids are going to say about themselves, mm -hmm. boys and girls, and uh, and what they're going to expect of themselves as well. So, yeah. I think that, I mean, for Florence is, she is nearly four and she's, she's chunky, you know, she is, she's, but the boys were too, they were, but I've noticed that when the boys were chunky, people said like, oh, isn't he a bruiser? Mm. Oh, he's going to be a rugby player. Mm. And then like people say things like, oh, she's a bit plump. Oh. She's like, she's the exact same build oh. as her brothers. And they're both now really tall, really skinny. Um, you know, and actually as she gets taller, you can see that she's kind of stretching out and I have absolutely no concern. She eats a very good diet. I'm not worried about it. Um, but it, the, the way that people yeah. respond to her shape mm in comparison to the way that they responded to the boys who were the exact same, um, it's very telling for me. Mm. Um, Florence came home, I think maybe three or four weeks ago, and I was really upset because we were we were having a bath. We have a bath together quite a bit still. Mm. Um, and we were in the bath, and she said that one of the boys at preschool had said that she couldn't be his girlfriend because she was fat. <gasps> she is not quite four. What? And I said... And I said, do you, do you know what fat is? And she said, I said, I've got a big belly. Oh and God. it just was really difficult for me because, you know, my gut instinct is to, to, you know, be crossed with this child. But actually the reality is that child has heard that language in their home mm. and don't know any better. So me and Florence had this really good talk about how that she's a little bit taller than all the children in her, in her 
preschool. She's really tall for her age. Mm. But that also, she's the only girl in her preschool class that can do a proper cartwheel. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of, we're going to take that. And we were really around with all the wonderful things and how strong she is and how capable she is. Um, and just didn't really acknowledge the comment. You know, we really just talked about what, what, what a clever, bright girl she is. And I just didn't want to give it any weight whatsoever. Like, yeah. I just feel like I don't even want to, I don't want to give it any substance for you. Um, and, and she was quite happy with the fact that, oh, actually, I can do a cartwheel and no one else can do a cartwheel. So, you know, she was fine, but it bothered me so much more than it, Ugh, than I think it yeah. really bothered her. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm very conscious about the language that I use. I'm terrible for saying things like I've got a big berm at home. Um, and so we have a, this is, I can't believe I'm even saying this in public. We have a dance in our house called the big booty dance oh. because Florence has a big bottom. We are of Jamaican descent. Mm. We were gifted with this bottom. Yeah. Um, and so me and Florence do what's called the big booty dance. And it's kind of like a little bum shaking, bum smacking dance where we sing <laughs> bo- booty girls, big, big booty girls. Um, and I kind of feel like I can't stop what people say. I can't stop people saying, oh, you've got a big bottom. But what I can do is I can make her treasure the the shape that she has and just know, yeah, we have got big bottoms. It's, it's just how we're built and kind of letting her own it, you know, just really take control of her body and mm. not letting other people kind of use it against her Um but it is, I definitely feel differently having had a girl. I, I do feel, you know, there's this kind of instant difference in the way that she's treated. You know, when she's, even from the minute she's born, people say, oh, isn't she pretty? She's like a little doll. Uh, or uh, it's just like, oh, bore off. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's really hard to, I don't want her to be treated like that. I, you know, and she's great. She wrestles with her brothers. She often wins. She's a, you know, she's she's a real sneaky fighter as well. Um, you know, she's a she's a pincher. Um, and, and I think that it's it's just really important to not let her or anybody else kind of dictate how she feels about her body. And if when she's older, she says, you know what, mum, I don't I don't like my big bum. I don't like my big thighs. Then we can talk about squatting and lunging and, you know, what other exercises that we can do to tone that up. But but she needs to feel how she feels about her body and not let anybody else kind of tell her where she's at and she has to to kind of embrace that and uh, and I, I feel like um often when women start um doing some sort of exercise thing or when they come to me for pilates sessions or fitness uh, pt and things like that they often come and they occasionally say something about a bit of their body that they don't like like you said mm. you know big bum whatever um and then whether or not they actually lose any inches d- becomes insignificant when they start to use their body yeah. for doing something brilliant. Like they'll start yeah. off doing a squat and going, oh, God, I can hardly get anywhere and can barely lift any weight and stuff like that. When they start to learn how to connect with their body and they get to be able to lift uh, more weight or they can start doing sort of things where they twist and they step and they do something more complex and they're, you know, doing things like that. And then they start to be able to realise, oh, my God, my big thighs and my big butt just did that. That's amazing. And then they go and challenge themselves with doing, uh, you know, entering a run or a 5k or doing something like that and their opinion of uh, and all of us our our opinion of our body changes from things that we hate about it to wow it's amazing like that that bit that i hated just did something really amazing and And, yeah now i love that 
Yeah, I really think that's like really important as well is that women, I think you were saying about the body positive movement and I kind of was like, yeah, because I felt like, although I, I get the intention is to encourage women to live their bodies, you don't get to tell me what I can and cannot love. Mm. You know, you don't get to say to me, you should, you should love your big ass. Mm. Well, you know, some days I do. And then some days I think, God, I just want to get a pair of jeans where my butt crack doesn't hang out the back, you mm. know, like it's, and and that's, that's okay. And I think that what I hate, I really hate about the body positive movement is that actually, you know, if a woman doesn't, who is bigger says, you know, I don't, I don't like the size that I am. She's completely berated. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's that's what you like. If you like being bigger or smaller or with big boobs or little boobs, that's that's great for you. But you, what, every single woman has the right to love or not love her body. It's her body. And if I don't want to be positive about my body, then I don't have to because that's absolutely my choice. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And and then I, I I hear a lot of people sort of changing that to being uh, about body neutrality. So just like, well, it's just my body. I'm just, it's just, it, it's just that there's just legs and arms and the middle. There's no, um, you know, I don't need to have a judgment or an opinion about it yeah. or a positive or a negative or a feel bad or not or unhealthy or unhealthy. Yeah. It's just, just there. And I'm just and I think that's not it. I think that's like almost too much the other way, because I actually think that, um, you know, if you have this kind of neutrality about your body, then you are not going to be treating it in the best possible way. Because hmm. I think that regardless of that, you know, take shape and size completely out of it. We all have a responsibility to take care of our bodies hmm. because we've only got one. Like you can't get a new one. And hmm. I think it's important um, to to do the best that you can by it. You know that and fuel it properly and you know make sure you use it um and I, I don't I don't know if maybe body neutrality is kind of like oh well it's just my body no it's still great whatever shape yeah. size whatever yeah. it yeah. is okay. it's still great it mm. still is keeping you uh literally alive yeah. um and I, I think especially in terms of the mums that we meet you know every day a lot of them I think feel like a pressure to either be really thin or to say oh well stuff it because I love the skin I'm in Mm. like there's like a real divide down the middle and you know what I would tell you neither of them are happy neither camp is happy because they're just trying so hard to fit into this narrative that's kind of been thrown at them all the time yeah yeah rather than being able to own whatever it is they want to own themselves or change whatever it is they want to change themselves um, and, and sort of rounding back to your classes then, I, I mean, I know that, um, like you said, lots of uh, your coaches, the majority of your coaches have suffered from postnatal depression themselves. Um, I know that's that's the major focus for it, for your classes is joining so that you can feel happy and um, really get something out of moving and exercising. Your body helps your mind to feel well and things like that. So... Is that the experience that you know that all of the mums that join in your classes have? Are they are they often seeking you out because they want something more than than they have been able to experience before in other classes? I think a lot of what our mums want is they just one thing mum is really good at 
providing a support network um and whether that you know we joke that you know internally like on our training days we say that one fit mama is is care from head to chuff now you might not know but mm-hmm. chuff is a birmingham word for vagina um so head to chuff that's that's what we say and and that's really true because yes it's incredibly important that you help we help you recover after having a baby and it's not just after having a baby because we have antenatal classes too where we help prepare you for birth um, and we have um, menopause classes or we have more mature ladies um, coming because their pelvic floors are, are suddenly you know they've been great but suddenly the menopause has hit and everything's falling down again and, and it's really important that it doesn't matter what stage you are in your you know sort of motherhood career if you mm. want to call it mm. actually there's just always a better way to be treating your body and I think the majority of women that come to One Fit Mama they come because they just want to feel good you know whether that's about their body whether they want to repair their pelvic floor whether they they want to feel better about themselves and give themselves more confidence like it's always about feeling better about themselves um and so it's really important to us that we keep having that lovely atmosphere where it's really open really it's honest um and allowing them to to say, you know what, um, you know, I've had a really crap day or yesterday I thought I'd go for a run and I wet myself. Because only when we're getting these honest comments can we truly help them feel better in every sense of the word. And is that and so so around in the classes, is there a period of time in which they uh, women can uh, spend time talking either to the coach or to each other? Yeah, they than never just, leave. Uh, in and around. They out. never leave. Right. No. <laughs> go home. They just such, <laughs> sometimes they can be sat drinking tea and boobing and feeding and and it's like come on I've got another class you wrap <laughs> it up stop chatting because these mums can chat like forever oh yeah um but we have that we create that safe space a lot of mums will come early so we encourage mums especially our breastfeeding mums to come to class a little early and feed mm. before they start their session mm. just to kind of have that letdown of the breasts um and so we get a lot of our boobing mums will come a good half hour early mm. and they have a chat and, and they feed. Um, and then, you know, a lot of our mums will stay afterwards um, and they have a catch up and a chat. We know, we know that they go for cake a lot afterwards. Mm. You know, we know this. <laughs> I think that they think that we don't know, but we, yeah. we, we see them. <laughs> yeah. um, which is lovely. You know, it's great that they go for a coffee and, and eat cake. I always think it's really great that they're just starting plaster in their sweaty gym kit. But um, it's great that they've kind of feel like they aren't being forced to rush away and that they are forming relationships in in the sessions and that's we're not kind of like a, a carousel it's not you know one class in one class yeah. out one class yeah. in we don't do that um so it's it's good and we also obviously have toddler sessions so we got a lot of our toddler mums come with their older kids and they mm. tend to stay with the, with snacks and picnics afterwards because you know toddlers and snacks yeah. um yeah. so yeah it's it's a lovely atmosphere um and our mums are like I can say this and know it's true. Like we have the best mums like ever, <laughs> hands down. Our mums are incredible. And I've met some phenomenal women over the last 10 years. Um, whether that's ones that work with me or ones that I've met just in class, um, just I'm always blown away by some of the women that I meet. Like it's it's a real privilege to meet some of them. And it's a privilege to see so many babies. You know, we, we, we get a lot of women that join us when they're pregnant and then they don't leave till their kids start school. And it's, oh, wow. you know, it's a real, 
it's a real privilege to kind of see and be yeah. part of that journey. And I get just as excited when they say their first words or take their first steps yeah. or roll out for the first time as, as the mums do, because it, it's a real precious to real precious to be part of that, I think. And it obviously shows how important it is that they continue to do something within the structure that gave them uh, gave them the support that they needed at the time. Because sometimes you're, um, if you, if you are keen on keeping moving, sometimes you, your needs can change so much mm -hmm. as you go through, and then the times don't work out, or the you know your kids naps suddenly coincide with the only time that you can get to an exercise class and that can be yeah, so frustrating so that shifting yeah. time that you have you're like great this works for about six weeks and then yeah. uh, everything's <laughs> so gonna true. go wrong again and then so obviously um obviously they have found a way to maintain that as a continuous structure um uh, in their sort of lives in their weekly schedule um and obviously i think i think the other thing that struck me about what you were just saying was that there's that sense of community which i know everybody goes on about community being super a really important thing but i think one thing about motherhood that really struck me is how how lonely it can be not yeah. because you don't have people around but because often your kids are doing different things like I said napping you know the napping schedules can be different for you know a handful of kids every single one will go to sleep at different times during the day and so being able to meet up with other with your friends can be a challenge because yeah. maybe their child needs to be at home for two hours in their napping in their cot at home whereas yours naps for shorter times twice and in a pram or something and you're like let's go oh no we can't because you need to be at home and the time is blah 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 and so they're obviously then connecting with other women whose kids are on a similar schedule and that helps them to be able to have somebody else to talk to through the day yeah I think as well it's I think one of the things that I feel really strongly about is um you have maternity leave and everybody kind of you know everybody's around you when you go out and you meet your friends and you you know you go to various baby massage or baby sensory classes and whatever and then maternity leaves over and it's mm. almost like okay well we don't care about motherhood now like mm. you know you just you go back to work or you've reduced your hours and and the one thing that we know that mums live about one fit mama is that you once their maternity leaves over we're, we're not like you still can be part of our family yeah. you know and I think that mums really crave that I think they really do I think that a lot of mums kind of it's it's quite sad when they finish their maternity leave because it's almost like everything comes to a grinding halt um you know we are the only fitness company in the UK that does allow specific classes for toddlers and that does allow specific classes for preschoolers um and and I think that that's really sad that rather than try and find a way to and you know I'm not gonna lie sometimes it is chaos it is mm, carnage like you imagine yeah. sometimes 15 toddlers in a ball pit yeah. like it sometimes yeah. it's carnage and it's hard work um but you know it, it's good to find a way to to make things work and it's good to allow women kind of different you know different opportunities because it, it is really telling that sort of maternity leave ends and that's it you know everything's finished yeah we're yeah. done once your baby gets to a year we don't care about you anymore no. and, and I think that there needs to be more things for women who have got children who are you know school age and um, because it doesn't stop being hard you know when I find the playground can be a really hard place to be mm. um 
I, I often I'm running in and running out and I don't mm. always know the mums and mm. there's lots of clicky groups and I always kind of feel a bit on the outside of that and especially because we've just moved to a new town and um, you know I find it really hard to make new friends on the on the playground and you know I, I imagine if you're a mum very similar to me actually you had all these wonderful friends on maternity leave then you kind of go to to back to work and you don't really talk to mums and the nursery drop off and then your child starts school and it can be a bit clicky on the playground and I just imagine that it would continue to be quite lonely and and I think that I know uh, statistically one in five women who've had postnatal depression will still have postnatal depression when their child starts reception Um, and actually you know we, we need to be doing more to make sure that mothers not just brand new mothers but all mothers don't feel left out isolated mm. lonely you know I think we, we need to do more for those mums too yeah yeah gosh that's a horrible frightening statistic isn't it um mm. and 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 coming on to back onto the postnatal depression then I know that one really important part of your work is having a charity that supports women who have postnatal depression in order to be able to continue doing classes or encouraging them to come to classes so um tell tell us a bit more about that like why why was it important that you set it up like that and how does it work um I'm a big believer in um you know what goes around comes around and um I felt like there's a lot of women who really could benefit from one fit mama that wouldn't necessarily either look for it you know maybe they wouldn't look for it but also they might not be able to afford it, you know, and, and I think that, you know, it's not very expensive. We we don't do like long terms or courses. You you just kind of pay monthly. So it's about £20 a month. Um, but, you know, if you're on statutory maternity pay, every every penny counts. And mm. I think that there were I definitely felt like there would be women that would miss out because if they had a spare £20, of course, they would spend it on their baby. Mummy's always the yeah. kind of bottom of the heap. But the worry about that is, is that obviously it meant that we were missing mums that really needed One Fit Mama. Yeah. Um, so we launched our One Fit Mama uh, referral scheme, which means that any GP, any health visitor, any midwife, and some charities that we work really closely with can just refer mums to us. Um, it's a really, really easy process, um, and that mum gets to come to One Fit Mama for six weeks, and they don't have to pay for that. Um, we don't get any funding for that, and... Um, basically the only way that we can afford to do this is by raising money so we constantly all the instructors pledge to do at least one fundraiser a year yeah and so some of them lots of us because we're in the fitness world and we're obviously you know we kind of love that lots of us um take on you know physical pursuits yeah so we've just had a team who have just done the birmingham velo which is a hundred mile bike ride oh wow um, they raise just under £1,500. Um, we have wow. others that do cake sales. Um, every year we do something called the Mums Overcoming Mountains, which is a mountain hike for women who have been affected by personal depression. Mm. Uh, they raise sponsorship, but it's a very like metaphorical overcoming of a mountain as well. And I know that in previous years, women get really emotional when they get to the top because it is kind of signifying this sort of overcoming of oh. this huge mounting of their life. Yeah. Um, and so it's a really beautiful, beautiful day. Um, so this year it's on the 22nd of June and we're climbing Scarfelt Pike. Oh, um, wow. Well so done. I'm super excited about yeah. that. Um, and I'm excited that, again, we've got, I think there's 28 women this year who have all been affected by postnatal depression who are having a 
it didn't beat me attitude and, mm. and they, they want to raise money and, and help um yeah it's it it's still I I think I've said to you before you know it every time I talk about my story or every time somebody asks me about my story or when people tell me their stories of post-natal depression I it hurts me like it, I feel it in my gut yeah um and so I, I I have to do this you know I have to try and help people because I get it it and it it I feel like post-natal depression took a part of me a whole year of my life away from me and I, I can't get that back but I want to make this better for other women and I feel like this is this is definitely the the what the way that I can do that um and we know that it works we know that women leave the program and they feel better um whether it's because they've made friends whether it's because you know endorphins as as has made them feel better about themselves whether they lost weight and it made them have a little bit more confidence um you know there's loads of different reasons why it works for them but just hearing over and over and over again that it does um it, it just means everything to us and the whole team feel that way you know we're all really passionate about it yeah yeah that's uh, i mean it's so clear how uh, how purpose driven you are but um to be able to experience and and i suppose in a way to be reminded over and over why why it's so important to mm-hmm. keep honest communication to keep it open to be able to provide that must be in a way really life affirming for you but also um i suppose I mean, yeah, like you said, it is painful to be keep on being reminded, but it reminds you why you're here and why you're doing it, yeah. why you're why you're changing people's lives, which is which is something so incredible for your own mental health to know that you now have that bigger purpose, you know, that that bigger picture to go from from where that pain horribly painful year and day um just before finn's birthday took you from um that that you know significant that's that sort of uh some people have called it post-traumatic growth that, yeah. that awful time and where it's grown you to now that's um uh you know an amazing amazing thing in so many different uh amazing so many different ways um Thank you very much, Sophia. That's um, uh, really interesting hearing the different ways that, uh, that that somebody like you is approaching that training of women, but uh, and not in a sort of um, and in a so much more holistic way. So so less sort of specific, and so much more about the whole woman and and how your purpose has really driven you to this point. Um, so uh, so thank you so much for sharing your story really honestly and and being being you and the person that you are while you're talking to us which is um, <laughs> really wonderful um so so thank you very much thanks for having me it's been it's been lovely really yeah. lovely So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Do remember to check out the show notes and rate and review the episode. Hop on over to Instagram as well at love underscore movement underscore Sussex to let me know what you think and any comments or feedback you have. I always love to hear from you. Join us next time to hear from a new brilliant guest.